Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. What if this dream that I can see could change how things are to how they could be? Two letters, that's all. If takes a chance and risks a fall. Others say why. If answers why not. Dare to take action. If starts with a thought. One little if in one little me to fight the current, to swim upstream. If doesn't ask when, if says now, from here to there, if is the how. If starts sooner, stays longer, keeps the faith, gets back up, goes back to work, sets the pace. So now I'll start, I'll begin. Without the start, there'd be no win. If counts the cost, a price to pay. Sees the potential, then seizes the day. If today, then tomorrow. Show something for the breath you borrow. Take a leap, just a step, growing old without regret. Tell me now, what's your what if? What will it take to scale the cliff? You have the vision, make it come true. Sometimes that what if is you. In the end, it goes to show there's no telling what one if can grow. Finish what you start, and then the time has come to dream again. Who knows what a day will bring? What if this changes everything? So true. Today we'll wrap up this series. We'll start a new series next week on Easter called This Changes Everything. That one leads right into the next one. I encourage you to use those invite cards, invite people. We've been doing that this week. We gave one to someone yesterday. She said, oh, I just live down the road, and I've been wanting to get my kids into the learning center on the, uh, uh, the wait list there. And so you, you never know who God is putting in your path that you can be the person to invite them. People are more open to come to church on Easter than any other day, more than Christmas, more than Mother's Day, Father's Day, there's just something, there's just some. you see, the resurrection separates Christianity from all other major religions, and the reason of that, then, then there's just something inwardly in us that even if a person doesn't know why they want to come, they want to come to church on Easter, so they might be one invite away, and you might be the person that invites them, and they give their heart to the Lord next week when, when we uh, start this new series, and their eternity is changed by that. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. You look really good today. I'm glad you're here. Man, it's, been a, it's, a, it's a good, good, good day to be here. I love that worship, didn't you? I thank God for our worship team. They give so much. But if you have your Bible today, let's hold it up. Let's say this together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. 
It is life to me. Today I receive the word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. A single guy decided that it would be more fun if he had a pet, so he went to the pet store to see what he could get. There was an interesting pet that they had. It was a centipede, a hundred-legged animal, little worm, bug, that could talk. And so he thought, oh, that'd be great. They even came with its own little matchbox house. And he put the bug in, and so he went home. Sunday morning, he said to the little matchbox there of the talking centipede, would you like to go to church with me today and get a blessing? And he heard nothing. And so he looked at the little white little box for a while, and then he said again, would you like to go to church with me today? I'd love for you to be my guest. And then there was nothing whatsoever. So he waited for a while, then he got down really close to the box, and he said, hey, I'm inviting you to go to church. Would you like to go with me today? I think it'd be a good day for you to go. Finally, he heard a voice almost out of breath saying, I heard you the first time, but I've been putting on my hundred pair of shoes. <laughs> see, you can't always trust what you see or what you hear. Sometimes we're going through things and we're just trying to hear or see something, but what's really happening is the unseen realm. Because you see, sometimes when we see a problem that we're experiencing, he sees a purpose. Sometimes when we see a delay, he sees a destiny. And sometimes we find ourselves uh, identifying with his disciples in Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35, when they were caught in a storm. I, all week long, I've been praying and thinking and and uh, I've worked on this teaching now for several weeks, but this week, I, my heart has just really been heavy. And, and early this morning, even here, I, I could feel some of you and, and just sense some of the storms that you're going through. So I think when we made that confession a little moment ago that my heart is open, that, that you're, the Lord is going to speak some special things to you today. It's not going to be an ordinary service for some of you. Some of you, it's going to be like the Lord gets right down beside you, and He's going to whisper in your ear, and He's going to be saying, you know, this is for you today, especially for you. Don't you like times like that? It says, on the same day, this is after Jesus had been teaching for a long time, when evening was a time of change. Uh, some of you are out for a time of change today. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, read this with me, let us cross over to the other side. Let's say it again. Let us cross over to the other side. He gave them direction. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm, would you underline that? A great windstorm, underline that in your notes or in your Bible. A great windstorm. In fact, when you look at this in the Greek, it's equivalent to a great hurricane. Some of us uh, in December were there at the Sea of Galilee, and we were explained. They explained to us how a storm could come up. The day after we were on the Sea of Galilee, a huge storm came up so much that they couldn't even go out. And so it said a great windstorm, a hurricane-type force arose. And the waves beat into the boat, and it was already filling. But he, Jesus was in the stern, underline this, asleep on a pillow. I was interested this week, what, what's that pillow really mean? 
And it literally is not a cushion that you sit on. It is a cushion that you put your head on. It was a cushion. It was a pillow that you would put your head on that when they, the fishermen were out all night and they were tired and, and they would put that. So it was, it was just really a, a pillow. So he was there and um, he was asleep. And they awoke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They are experienced fishermen. So this was a pretty big storm. And he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea. See, it's the water that was getting in the boat. But he spoke to the source of that water, which was the wind, that the enemy, Satan, was using nature itself. And that's why it says in the book of Romans that even nature cries out for redemption because nature has been used in such a devastating force because of sin. And so he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Would you circle that phrase, a great calm? There was a great windstorm. Don't overlook how Mark uses these same words. There was a great windstorm, and now there's a great calm, a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Literally there, the word means little faith or undeveloped faith. He's not saying, I can't believe you yet. He's just saying, uh, you know, you, you still have undeveloped faith. We, we need to work on that. And really, sometimes we've got to understand the only way that our faith can be developed is when we face storms. When we face storms. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, they were afraid of the storm. Now they were afraid of this, of this thing that they had just watched. And they said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Wow. There's so much in that. I can't even get into that one today. So some of you today are going through a storm. And the enemy tells you the reason you're going through that storm is because that you failed in some way. But let me just share with you today, storms don't tell whether or not you're in God's will. Sometimes you can be in obedience to God, and you're in a storm. It was not their idea. They didn't say after a long day of teaching, whoopee, let's get in the boat, and let's go to the other side, especially over the other side. They're going to they're gonna be seeing a guy with a legion of demons. But it wasn't their idea. And when you look at it in the Greek, there was a real urgency when he said, let us go to the other side. Why? Because he knew on the other side, there was a divine appointment, just like some of you this week. You're going to have a divine appointment to reach down in your pocket, pull out one of those Easter invite cards, and say, you know, if you don't have a home church, I'd sure like to invite you to come to our church on, on, e- on Easter, because God can do something great in people's lives. So he needed to get to the other side. And also, the enemy sensed that urgency, so what he's going to do, he's going to whip up a storm and try to stop this little boat that Jesus is on from getting to the other side. But Jesus says to them, listen to this, he knew in advance they were going to be in a storm. He could have said to them, guys, don't panic because in just a little bit, we're going to be in a big storm, but it's going to be okay because I'm going to take you to the other side. But he doesn't, sometimes he just says, would you be obedient to take the first step? Would you just be obedient and you take that first step and you find yourself in a storm? 
How many of you, by the raising of your hand unashamedly, would say, I've been in a storm sometime, or maybe I'm in a storm right now, not just a headache, but a storm that I felt like my life was on the line. It was the end. Anybody beside me today ever been there? Some of you today are there right now. The interesting thing is that when we go through a storm like this, there are actually three storms. There are like three storms that we're going through. First of all, if you want to jot this down, is what I call the circumstantial storm. It's just the circumstances that we're going through. Um, they had no control over that. It was a great windstorm, a great windstorm. Say a great windstorm. No control. There was wind. There was rain. There was waves. It was out of control. Sometimes we're hit with things that just brings like a, a whirlwind of, of, of demands and decisions. And we're not able to do anything about it. You ever been there? I mean, that storm hits you. And all of a sudden, you just feel helpless. There's nothing I can do. You feel hopeless. What are we going to do about this? How are we going to do about that? And some of you are there today. So it's the circumstances. Second of all, there's the emotional storm. The emotional storm. Now, here's the windstorm blowing, the water about to come into the, the water coming into the boat, about to sink them in the midst of all of that. But that wasn't the only storm. Now, internally, not just externally, but now internally, they're facing an emotional storm of emotions and feelings. Verse 40 says, They were terrified, they were so fearful. Just like you, you get that, you, you, you're sick, you go to the doctor. And then he gives you a bad report, and then there are the emotions. There's the circumstance that it's cancer or that it's something else, but then there are the internal emotions. Uh, there's the, fi the financial report, and then there's the struggle, the emotions of that. And, and so often we become like panic and, and uh, uh, unstable because of the circumstance, the big storm. And then there's another storm that we don't really like to think about, but I call it the trust storm, the trust storm. It's, am I going to really trust him in this, or am I going to give up and panic, let my boat sink, or get out of this boat and do something different? Verse 38 says, don't you care, Jesus? And they woke Jesus up. I mean, they're in a storm, and Jesus is sleeping in the middle of the storm. What good is a Savior who sleeps in the middle of your storm? Some of you thought that. Jesus, what are you doing? You asked me to do this. And now I'm in a storm. And I'm about to sink. I'm in a circumstantial storm. I'm in an emotional up. I, my, I can't eat. I can't sleep. I, I'm gonna, and, and now I'm with the thing that I'm not sure. I'm not sure that you are who they say you are. I know what I heard about you, but now I see what I'm experiencing. I heard the testimony a little bit a minute ago about the lady who had all the healings. But hello, what am I, chopped liver? And nothing is changing in my life. So what's wrong? What's wrong? Is there something wrong with me? So there's that there's a whole thing of trust. What I've heard about you, I'm not experiencing it. It's not matching up. So where are you? Why am I going through this storm? Do you really care about me, or is this just a bunch of religious jargon? Jesus is asleep on a cushion, 
and they woke him up. The question was, why is the storm not messing with you, Jesus? Why aren't you panicking? Why aren't you panicking? You know what? He gets up. He doesn't chide them. You know, sometimes we feel like, well, if I got honest with him and I said what I really feel, then, then it's going to be lack of faith. And, and, and you know, I'll just be a, a wussy. You know, it's not going to be like that. But he gets up and he realizes what's happening, that the enemy's trying to stop. But he knew even if they kept storming, they were going to get to the other side. I'm going to tell you, if nothing changes in the storm that you're in right now, the prophetic word that the Lord gave you, you can hold to that, and you will arrive at the place that he told you that you would arrive if you just hang in there with him. And then he talks to the circumstance, and then he talks to them. Verse 40, why are you so fearful? In other words, listen, in verse 35, you were excited when I said, let's go to the other side. Well, what's the problem now? Your problem has overridden the promise that I gave you. Never let a circumstance trump his word or his presence. He is in the boat with you. He's not panicking. He's resting. And you need to get a good look at that right now. See, when you think, where is he? He's not with me. He's, he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be with you. So there's never a time. I, I'm with you. I had some storms hit me in the last couple of weeks, and I knew I was even teaching this sermon today. And I thought, dang, Lord, in the Greek sense, you, you, you're, really, you're really real, aren't you? You know, I was going to have to get up there on Sunday morning and teach this, and they say, oh, you know, he never goes into this or anything like that. And here's what I said to him in the last couple of weeks. Come on, Lord. How many times do I have to face the same thing? Come on, Lord. Where are you? You gave me some promises and I'm facing the same thing again? Wake up. Why are you sleeping? And Lord just said that I had to teach this with a new passion today. So that you can know that what I'm saying to you is just as real. I've been to the place in my life where I lost everything I had. I lost my family. I lost my job. I lost my retirement. Everything I had, I had nothing left because of somebody's decision, not my decision. But in the midst of all of that, some two years of fighting and believing every day for a breakthrough, and the answer never came. But when I look back at that now, I realized what he was teaching me, that even though I didn't get the answer that I thought that I should get, he knows better. He's God, and he thinks he is. See, when we face a problem, we start telling him how he should answer that problem. Lord, if you really cared for me, you wouldn't let this happen. But you see, he sees things that we can't even see. So here's, here's a couple of things we need to remember. Number one, focus on the promise, not the problem. Focus on the promise, not the problem. Say the promise. So many people focus on the problem, right? I was thinking this week, can you imagine if social media was around during that time? And if, and if the disciples were like some of you, or maybe not you, but some people that you know. 
So the storm comes. So you think, well, this is going to be over pretty quick. And then it looks bad. And then you pick up your social media and text or Facebook. I can't believe this. I asked Jesus to help me, and he's not helping me. He's sleeping. Of all, he's snoring now. I can't believe this. And, and, and I can't believe nobody who's my friend, you, you haven't even given me a word of encouragement. I'm going to delete you if you don't give me a word of encouragement. I'm going to clean up my list. I, I can't believe that. Where are you when I need you? And the disciples are looking at me weird. We're supposed to love one another, and they're looking at me weird. And I tell you, if they keep looking at me weird, I'm going to just get out of this boat and get into another boat. I just, I just can't believe this. It is a sign of immaturity and lack of trust when you post your personal life on this thing that's called social media, and you're going to use it because you're going to get back at somebody who did you wrong. Or you're going to take a political stance and you're going to separate yourself from other people that are believers. Listen, not everybody who comes to the Father's house is a Fox conservative watcher Republican. And not everybody who comes to the Father's house is a CNN, MSNBC, Liberal, Democrat, or an independent, or whatever. So when you see a post on social media, and you're representing Jesus, and somebody, and you say, oh man, I, I can't believe, you mean they, they believe that? And so you get on there, boom, 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 boom. And as soon as you do, you've created division in the body of Christ. We need to learn to keep our mouths shut and talk to God about things that happen. Because every time you make a every time you make a post that's political, you've separated yourself from somebody else here at the Father's house. But greater than that, I just I am just I'm blown out of the water how people use social media to try to they're staying in the background, but yet then they're they're making these little things like, Well, you know, you used to be my friend, but now you're not my friend and, and you know you hurt me and that you hurt me and you hurt me something else. And people say, Oh, I know who they're talking about. I know who they're talking. You know what you've just done? You just created division more in the body of Christ, and instead of getting sympathy for yourself, you just shown how immature that you are, that you're gonna stand in the back ground and you're going to make a punch at somebody that's not face to face with you that you can talk to. Well, that's just a sidebar. <laughs> Trust is acting like God is telling the truth. He says, go to the other side. Listen, a storm, there in your note, a storm never stops Jesus from taking you somewhere. He had a plan. He is the beginning and he is the end. So that means if he's the beginning and the end, he's also the middle. He's the alpha, the omega, and the middleman. Right? He doesn't change his plans because of a storm. You're in the middle today. Some of you are in the middle. You've been derailed. You've been deterred. But the gates of hell will not prevail against God's promise. Who or what are you going to trust in? Congress? Social media? Uncle Billy Bob? 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, would you read it with me? Let's say it like this. I will trust. I will trust in the Lord with all my heart, and I'll not lean to my own understanding. In all my ways, I will acknowledge him, and he will direct my path. I'm going to trust him in the middle of the storm and know that he's never taken his eyes off of me. It's October 1942. Ed Rickenbacker and his hand-picked crew on a B-57 are on a mission to deliver a message over the Pacific to take a message to General Douglas MacArthur. They got lost and they ran out of fuel and they crashed in the Pacific. They were out of radio range and they uh, spent a whole month Nine of the men floating around on three nine-foot rafts. They battled the heat. They battled the storm. They battled the water. Nine-foot rafts, but ten-foot sharks kept coming up to their raft and nosing that and trying to turn them over. After eight days, they ran out of rations. They had nothing else left. But every day, twice a day, they did devotions and prayers. Some of the guys said, I don't want any more devotions. Don't give me any of those prayers. It's all fake. Look where we are. We're drowning. We're going to die. We're not going to get out of this. Nobody's going to help us. But Rickenbacker said, no, we're going to keep praying and doing our devotion. After one morning devotion, he leaned back. They're out of food. They're about to starve. His hat was over his head. And all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, a bird landed on his head. He peered out from underneath the hat. Every eye was on him with those three rafts. And he instinctively knew that it was a seagull. He reached up very slowly, grabbed the bird, caught it, and they ate it. And then they used the bird's intestines to be fish bait. And the crew survived to tell the story. But listen, we too were saved by a sacrificial visitor, and his name was Jesus. He came to us. He came to us. He came to us. We were rescued by one who journeyed far from who only God knows where. You see, when we need a promise, we need to turn to this word, not to social media, not to our feelings, not to the circumstances, but what was the last word the Lord gave to you? What did he say? The, the Bible says for God's word is something to sing about, and he is true to his promises. His word can be trusted, and everything he does is reliable and right. Listen to these verses, Philippians 1 and 6. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 41 and 10, fear not. For I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. I will uphold you with the righteous right hand. John 10, 27, 28. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Philippians 4, 19. My God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1 and 8. He will sustain you to the end, guiltless to the day of Jesus Christ. If you believe that today, give him a hand clap and say, I believe that. Here's the second thing we need to remember. Understand that his purpose is greater than your problem. Understand that his purpose is greater than the problem. Verse 41 says, they were much afraid. In the storm they were afraid. But when they saw Jesus, look, Jesus gets up, speaks to the wind, stop. He didn't speak to the waves. The waves was just what was coming on right there. 
You see, sometimes we need to get back to the source of the difficulty that we're experiencing. So they see him speak to the wind. And look, it wasn't like, well, it just, it just sort of rippled down and, and, it, and it got calm. No. Boom. The wind ceased. And then he spoke to the waves. Calm. Like, like, like a sea of glass. A few minutes ago, it was like eight, nine-foot waves. But just as his word, it was flat. Flat. And the scripture says they were afraid. And they said, what manner of man is this? We thought we knew who he was. But we don't know who he is. See, we have to understand that sometimes he doesn't send storms. But he allows storms to come. Because in that storm, he wants to teach us something. Who he is. Who he is. In the... In theology, we call it the hypostatic union, which really means, a, it's a fancy way of, of saying, it's the mysterious way of the divine and the human joined together in one person. Jesus was 100% God while he was on earth, and he was 100% man, hypostatic union. He was fully human and fully divine, so much that he died on the cross, and then second of all, he rose from the dead. The scripture says he's our high priest who can sympathize with our pain. That means he can feel your pain and he can fix your pain. He can feel your pain and he can fix your pain. He knows where you're going. And whatever you're going through, Jesus feels it. Early this morning in prayer, the Lord reminded me of that scripture verse, the shortest one in the Bible. You know what it is? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Think about this. I never thought about this till early this morning. He's at the tomb of Lazarus. And he knows that Lazarus is going to come through this storm. He's getting ready to say, come on out of there. Then why does he weep? He knows he's getting ready to come through this. But Jesus wept. I just felt like the Lord said to me this morning. Because he wrote that and he showed that so that you could say to people, no matter a hopeless situation that you look at in your storm, he knows he's going to bring you through. But right now he feels your trust struggle. He feels your pain. He feels the uncertainty that you think nobody cares, nobody feels for what nobody understands me I've got myself in this jam and nobody understands but he's simply saying this morning let me come alongside of you and I'll tell you what I'll do I'll not only fix that if you'll trust me but I'll weep with you right now in the middle of the weeping it's all right every once in a while to fall down and weep because he will weep with us second Timothy 1 and 2 says this is the message I've been set apart to proclaim as a preacher, emissary, and a teacher. It's also the cause of all this trouble I'm in. But I have no regrets. I couldn't be more sure of my ground. The one I've trusted in can take care of what he's trusted me to do right to the end. Paul's saying, it's not easy what I'm going through. But I'm going to tell you this, I know. I'm not trusting my feelings. I'm not trusting circumstances. I'm not trusting anything else. 
I'm going to trust the one who said to me, I'm going to bring you through this. You're going to come to the other side. Let me give you just a couple of things. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these this morning. You, you can do these yourself. What is the purpose of the storm that you may be going through? Not the storm that Jesus sent. People say, well, isn't he Jesus? Couldn't he stop everything? Yeah, he could. He could also made us like little care bears or robots, but he didn't. You know, you'd build a bear. That's the thing. You know, I took my, my, my grandkids sometime to build a bear, and we'd build a bear, and you put a heart in the build a bear. You know, he could have done that with us. He could have made us like a build a bear where we would just say, I love you. I trust you. I love you. I trust you. But he doesn't want that. He wants us in our struggles, in our storms, in the hopeless situations. And when we feel alone, that we can say, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going through. I don't know how this will end. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to keep trusting you. And tomorrow, I may be crying. Tomorrow, I may be struggling. But if you'll help me, I'll get back up again because I know that you're the Alpha and the Omega, and I'm holding to the promise that you've given me and not just focusing on the problem. Sometimes he has to get our attention, and, we, and he speaks to us. I love you. Draw near to me. Come on. Yeah, come on. Get back in church. Get back in there. You know, go ahead and do those things. You know, And we just, yeah, someday I'll do that someday. And then the Lord loves us so much that he just says, okay. It's like my daddy in church. All it took is one look from him. You know, he let snap his finger. Just one look. And I knew if I didn't shape up, it wasn't going to be just that one look, but we was going to have a come to Jesus meeting afterwards, and he's going to get my attention. You think he did that because he didn't like me? No, he wanted to teach manners to me. Might be a good thing that we all would teach more manners to our kids, huh? Maybe we should get manners ourselves. Sometimes the purpose is to equip us for service. How can you talk to somebody about coming through a storm or coming through difficulty if you've never been through one? Sometimes it's just to demonstrate his power in our lives because you, you, really don't, you really don't even know the power that he has. But it's in storms that we learn the power. Because you see, he's, this is not just, it's not just, oh, everything's just going to be wonderful. No, it's all about knowing him. I told you the storm that I went through. I wouldn't want to go back through that storm. But what I did learn is that he was my best friend and that I could trust him when I couldn't trust anybody else. He's my best friend. I didn't learn that in seminary. I didn't learn that in all the years being raised in the church. I learned that through the greatest storm of my life, that when everybody else turned against me, he was there and he brought me through. Sometimes he wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to reveal himself to us. Sometimes it's to remind us who's in control. Sometimes it's to remind us who is in control and then sometimes it's just to bring us to a place of surrender, to bring us to a place of surrender. He owned several bars, and he abused drugs very heavily. He started with cocaine in 1982. He switched to crack in the late 1990s. And by the spring of 2008, in telling his life story, he said, my drug use had gotten so bad that three of my crack drug dealers got together and they did something that defies all logic. They attempted to intervene in my life. 
the three of the biggest drug dealers in Minneapolis said, I was awake for 19 days straight and I didn't know it. And when I tried to buy drugs for them, they refused to sell me again. Even one of my dealers tried to babysit me until I fell asleep. Lindell's drug abuse finally ended January 16th in 2009. By then, another company that he started, MyPillow, was starting to gain traction. Lindell had been selling the product on the road at trade shows, and he could see that this thing was really going to go. He said, I knew if I didn't quit that day, I wouldn't be able to make the most of what was happening in my life. He said, I knew I couldn't wait one more day than to surrender all of these things in my life. He said, so I prayed something I'd never done before. I said, God, take away my desire for these drugs. Take away my desire for these drugs, and I'm all yours. And he said, the next morning, I woke up with God as my witness. All the desire was gone. He said, everything was gone. I woke up to the most peaceful moment I've ever had. And he said, I've been sober ever since. And God has allowed me to take the money from what I've had and being able to help mission organizations and people around the world. You may say this morning, I don't understand what's going on in my life. I don't understand it all either. But here's what, here's, here's what I know. The Lord just wants total surrender of our life. Have you committed everything to him today? I'm not talking about just getting fire insurance to keep you out of hell. But I'm talking, have you surrendered everything to him today? If you haven't surrendered, maybe it's, maybe it's a habit, maybe it's money, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's a person. Then in essence, what you've done is set that person on a pedestal and you're bowing down and worshiping that person more than you're worshiping him. And sometimes in the middle of the storms, he's got to bring us to that place that he'll say, I don't want just part of you. I want all of you. I don't just want your mind. I don't want just your mouth, but I want your heart. I don't just want your heart, but I want your feet. I want your actions. He wants all of us. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? He wants all of you. His love required all of him. Maybe today you'd say, you know what? I admit that I've not given him everything. There's a relationship. There's a habit. There's a sin that I've been holding back. Maybe some of you today say, you know what? There just seems to be a leak in my boat right now. I'm taking on more water than I know what to do with. And he's simply saying, I'm here. I'm waiting for you to turn around and ask me. I'm asking you. I, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to say, hey, Jesus, hey, I, I need your help here today. There's some of you here today that you used to be very close to the Lord, but you've kind of let situations and things just pull you off track. And today's the day the Lord wants you to rededicate your life to Him. He wants a surrender, a total surrender, not just part of your life. He wants all. Some of you today, for the very first time, it's time for you to surrender your life to the Lord. So in just a minute, I'm going to ask you if that's you today, if it's the first time or if you need to rededicate your heart to the Lord, just a minute, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand and make eye contact with me because I want to pray with you today. I want to pray with you today. I want you to meet this man, Jesus. He's more than just a fictional character. He's God. And he died on the cross for your sins and my sins. And he loves you. 
even though other people have given up on you, he's never given up on you. That's why you're here today. It's not an accident that you're here today. He wanted you to hear this teaching. In fact, I had a different teaching I was supposed to do today. Totally different teaching I was going to do. This is Palm Sunday. I had a totally different teaching. But two or three weeks ago, the Lord brought me back to this one. He said, no, you got you to do that one. So evidently, he knew that you were going to be here today. So it's not an accident. Don't waste this today. He wants you to have this prayer that I'm getting ready to pray. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand real high and say, that's me today, Terry. Thank you. Thank you. Others today, just lift your hands. That's me. Thank you, sir. You may put your hand down. Others, that's me. That's me. Today, I need to dedicate my heart, to rededicate my heart to the Lord. This teaching is for me today. I needed this. I needed this today. I needed to know that he's with me. Thank you. Others today, say, that's me. That's me today. That's me. Let me lead you in a prayer today with these who've raised their hands and maybe some of you that are watching online. And some of you are sitting here and you didn't raise your hand. You want to raise your hand. And you know today's the day of resurrendering your life to the Lord. Pray this prayer with me. Father God, I thank you today for loving me, for caring for me, for dying on the cross for my sins. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life, and to be my Lord and Savior. As best as I know how, I want to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In your name, Jesus. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.